This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Thursday. It is July 6th. Another edition of Sportsnet today coming your way from the Sportsnet 960 Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios. Brought to you by our friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Cracked Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. Well, they have a simple, permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. You can contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Another full room of people helping us get this show on the air and on the podcasts. Taylor is back. Cam is here. Ben is here. Callum is here. And we got a busy show for you with the next two hours of the program. We'll check in from Calgary Flames Development Camp at Winsport. First on a session today for the Calgary Flames and their prospects, including their two most recent first-round selections, Matt Coronado and Samuel Honzik. They were on the ice today. We'll hear from Matt Coronado. We'll also hear from Flames' second-round draft pick in the 2023 draft, Etienne Moran. Uh, he spoke to the media as well following an on-ice session, so we'll get caught up with a couple of the Flames' top prospects, see how development camp is going for them. It's also the first Thursday of, of Stampede. Parade day is tomorrow. Sneak a peek. Ready to go for all you eager Stampede goers. I'll be the first one out to test out some rides, catch some food on the midway. Uh, veteran seasoned Stampede goers know that sneak a peek is a wonderful opportunity to get in there, maybe before some of the massive crowds. Weather looks great. Uh, Reminder the fan feedback line open to you 960 960. Questions, comments, concern, queries. You want to know what Cam's plans are for a Thursday night? You can send in your texts to 960-960. So we'll talk uh, some Flames development cap. We'll get into Michael Stone announcing his retirement yesterday uh, and joining the Flames in a player development role. Uh, we'll also continue our look around the NHL as the NHL offseason well underway now. We've uh, had a couple of stops, dropped in Toronto earlier this week, stopped in Ottawa this week, checking in on the Leafs and the Sens. How about a team in the midst of a rebuild in Philly? Flyers with a ton of work done already by new GM Danny Briere, but there's still a couple names that were circulating NHL trade rumors not all that long ago. Just how far down to the studs is Danny Briere going to take this team? I thought they had a home run pick getting uh, Matt Vimichkoff at the draft. I thought that was a great choice by them to bring him into the organization and you know potentially get the next face of their franchise in the building in a couple of years. 
Uh, but John Hahn is going to join us. He uh, writes for the Flyers, uh, for the Philly Inquirer, excuse me, covers the Flyers. The Philly Inquirer, she'll join us in hour one. Get the latest on the Flyers. And uh, looking forward to this. In hour two as well, we're going to head out to Hamilton. Great cup at Tim Hortons Field this year. The Ticats looking to put on a party. Uh, if you're a CFL fan, a longtime CFL fan, you know that the Great Cup, not only for the home fans, wherever the Great Cup's being held, but it's also a pretty major event for people around Canada to head to the Great Cup City, hang out, go to things like Stamps House or Riders House, hang out with fellow CFL fans and celebrate uh, another Great Cup. So we'll check in uh, on what Hamilton's got planned for the Great Cup coming up this year. Jerry Fonzo going to join us. He is a VP of Stadium and Events Operations for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So that coming up in hour two of the program. Let's start things off with the Calgary Flames. The news yesterday from the Flames, Michael Stone officially announced his retirement from the National Hockey League and a fan favorite says goodbye. Um, And look, it was a, a really remarkable career for Michael Stone, all things said and done. 552 NHL games. 145 points, 228 of those games came with the Calgary Flames. And look, the last couple of years, Michael Stone will tell you it wasn't exactly what he hoped it would be. I don't think that anybody, even if you're at the NHL level, you don't dream of being that seventh guy, right? You don't dream of being the guy that comes in when somebody's playing bad or comes in because there's an injury. That's just not how you hope. You want to be a regular. Everybody wants to be out there every single night, and Michael Stone was no different. He was a competitor. He's a very competitive guy, one of the most competitive guys the Flames have had on their roster for the last couple of years. He didn't he didn't love that role, but he handled it better than I, I think most people could, and that's why the Flames valued him so much. It's why Flames fans valued him so much. Because there was zero drama associated with Michael Stone. There was no complaining. There was no upset Michael Stone. If you asked him, he gave you the honest truth. And that every single time was whether it was chatting with Pat or any other members of the media, Danny or Wes, he told you, I want to be out there every night. I'd like to play 82 games. That just wasn't the reality of the Flames defensive core the last couple of years. Wasn't the reality for Michael Stone's health the last couple of years for him to be out there for 82 games. But when he did go out there, he was effective. He competed his ass off. He had a great slap shot that a lot of people fell in love with. He was one of those guys that loves shooting the puck. And at times when the offense was a struggle for the Calgary Flames, Michael Stone was uh, one asset the Flames could put back there. So, uh, I did want to to go back to yesterday's uh, edition of Flames Talk and hear from Michael Stone. Uh, after the news came down, uh, Pat had an exclusive chat with him on Flames Talk on the Wednesday edition uh, because I, I really wanted to put a spotlight on Michael Stone. And yes, could he have had a, a was he envisioned to be a bigger part of the Calgary Flames when Brad Living acquired him uh, a couple of years ago? Absolutely, it was. But this is a guy that went through some major health scares dealing with the blood clot issue that he did. There was no guarantee he was coming back to hockey after all of that, and he did, and he was a great warrior for the Calgary Flames and one that I think 
Flames fans will always admire. He's a big part of Calgary. He wanted to be a member of the Calgary Flames. This is where his family was. And to have the opportunity now to not only uh, retire as a member of the Flames, but to go into a role in player development with the Calgary Flames, I think means a lot to Michael Stone. So let's hear from him. He joined Pat Steinberg on Flames Talk on Wednesday. This is an exclusive interview from Pat uh, on Flames Talk. You want to hear the whole thing, you can go wherever you get your podcast. But I uh, wanted to get a part uh, of this conversation to you. Michael Stone with Pat Steinberg yesterday after announcing his retirement from the National Hockey League. I guess just take me through the last uh, the last couple of months and how you came to this decision and, and how long this decision has been made for. Um, so I, uh, I kind of had a feeling that it might be the end, um, that last game of the season. So I prepared like it could be. And, um, I, uh, I just felt like my not wanting to play anywhere other than here and, and, the uh, uncertainty of another summer of not knowing, till the, yeah. end, the end of the summer whether I was going to play or not is not what I wanted to do so I kind of made that decision to to move on. So what was that last game like? As you, as you said you were preparing for it, you had your kids there Just what what was that final game 82 like for you? Um, probably easier uh, knowing that I was still a bit unsure if it was going to be my last one I think if it was, if I knew it was going to be my last game, it was, uh, it, it would probably have been harder. But um, you know, it was nice having my kids and my family and and uh, and, and all that there. And and um, yeah, it, it, we ended on a good note. Yeah, yeah, you picked up a win. Yeah. And uh, what? Because I remember on on locker cleanout day, you were asked about, you know, would you think about signing somewhere else? And and you were pretty honest and said, "No, no, it's it's here. My kids are here. Yeah. They're at that." Was it when when you said that? Were you was there anything going through your mind? You're like, "Damn, I don't know if my agent would like to hear that." Like, what, or or were you even at that point pretty sure this was the way things were going and and you were okay saying that? Uh, I was okay saying that. Um, I, I I don't want to speak for my agents and stuff like that, but yeah, uh, yeah, just the way. Uh, my family is uh, in all activities in school and whatnot. I just, I didn't, I'm not the type of person that can go play elsewhere without them as well. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I was, I was ready to make that decision and, and uh, spend some more time at home. One. Well, a good landing spot. I'm just like you. You join the Flames organization in yeah. a development role, which we'll get to. But you know, it's it's kind of it's kind of you're a Manitoba guy, but Calgary's been home now for what 15 years? That sound about right? Uh, yeah. Uh, Since the Hitman days, it's yeah, basically been so that, Calgary. Oh, six was my first year here. Yeah. Um, now I, I've been in Phoenix and spent some summers back home in Manitoba, but my uh. Yeah, my family's here now. So what? how come Calgary? Like, what made you want to settle here and, and choose well, this to be full-time? My wife's from here. Okay, so that, that would play a big part in it. Yeah, and and I'm not going to put that on her. She would move wherever. I, I, don't think, uh, I don't think Calgary is the only spot that we could live. It's just 
we've developed so many good relationships here through hockey and outside of hockey now with having kids that it's it's just home yeah how have you uh how have you enjoyed not preparing for a season uh it it's been nice i've been busy to be honest uh i coached my kids uh in three spring tournaments and that was a ton of fun uh my boys have been in baseball my daughter's in swimming and i i feel like it's almost busier now than it has been in uh summers past now during the day i get to get to play some golf which has been nice too yeah. so that's, yeah I, I feel like we've had not a whole lot of downtime okay but just no uh no crazy gym sessions yeah no training that's good that's, yeah, yeah. That, that, that might be a nice break it honestly is i uh i was getting tired of that too yeah uh, Michael Stone's with us uh, announcing his retirement and joining the Flames in, in a development role. So 12 NHL seasons, 552 NHL games. Just how, do you, uh, how do you look back? Uh, I mean, that sounds like a long time, but it doesn't feel like a long time. Um, and, you know, I, I know a lot of people would probably say it could be longer and i know i'm only 33 and can still play but i uh i just got to a point where that was uh that was enough and and um yeah the last couple seasons i think it felt longer than other ones yep just based on a bunch of different factors and things that have i've had to go through but uh yeah i really in enjoyed my time in the nhl and hope to continue in a different role yeah um it it hasn't all kind of sunk in i guess uh to reflect on my playing days but yep um and, and i'm quite positive that i'm gonna miss it come september um but like i said just the the grind of of not knowing is is not really something I want to be doing right now. So what, uh, like, have you have you started to prepare yourself for missing it? Like, is that something that you're doing some mental exercises for, knowing that, you know, you, you might be in that spot in a couple months? Uh, I think transitioning into this is going to help me a lot. For sure. Uh, you know, still being a part of, part of a team, not directly on a daily basis, but, um, you know, being a part of the organization and, and still working to to make the team better is is going to help without actually doing the physical work i guess when um when you started when you came to calgary started with yeah. the hitman you end up being a third round draft pick like do, do you look ahead like can you put yourself back in those shoes or those skates and say hey i've got more than a decade ahead here in the nhl or does that all seem way too far off when you're 18, 19, 20 years old? Uh, that's hard to say. I never thought about anything other than being an NHL hockey player growing up. I didn't have a backup plan. I didn't have a other job that I would have liked to have done. So I guess the answer to that would be no. I always envisioned myself being an NHL hockey player uh the older you get the more you realize how hard that is and 
how hard it is to just stick around. Um, so I'm I'm really proud of the fact that I got 12 NHL seasons and yeah, you know, the games played are not as high as it could be in 12 NHL seasons, but there were a number of factors that you have to yep understand why that is the way it is. But that was not for uh, a lack of effort or um yeah i i just there's a lot of things that go into being an nhl hockey player how uh how much do you talk to your uh talk to your brother when you're coming to this decision is uh do you engage him a lot in it at all not not a lot uh i told him what i thought uh i might might do um and then i i had a few conversations with him the last one he said he could tell that I was happy with the decision I made, so I think that made him feel better. Yep. Uh, which, I mean, we're each other's biggest fans, right? So, I think, uh, I think it. Some of the stuff that I went through hurt him just as much as it hurt me. So, it's uh, and and that's vice versa. Like I understand the stuff that he had to go through to get back to play. Yeah. And. For him to do what he did in these playoffs is is unbelievable. Yep. So that's like like I said, we're we're each other's biggest fans. That's uh, former Flames defenseman Michael Stone with Pat Steinberg exclusively on Flames Talk from Wednesday. You can hear that whole conversation up on the Flames Talk podcast feed wherever you get your podcast. I uh, just wanted to play part of it there, especially that last part about speaking to his brother and uh, you know both Stone brothers have gone through some pretty significant injuries here the last couple of seasons that have you know played a big role in how much hockey they've been able to play and for Michael to watch Mark this season he was on the ice in in Vegas for that final game where he saw his brother raise the Stanley Cup and he talks about you know them being each other's biggest fan and um, certainly didn't sound like an easy decision for Michael to get to this point but a guy who I, I think deserves a high level of recognition here in the city of Calgary. And I, I think Flames fans, at least every Flames fan that I've seen, has been very quick to hand it out, and that's great to see because I, I know, and Michael said it there, right, the games played aren't where you want them to be, but there's so much that goes into that. I, I just think there's so few guys like Michael Stone who are just willing to put it on the line to be that great teammate, no matter what the circumstances were, no matter what the coach was or who was – what you know? What the scenario was replacing somebody or coming in uh, on the, the second half of a back-to-back, whatever it was, you got the best version that Michael Stone could give you, and uh, it's going to be different without him in the lineup. You, I think a lot of Flames fans were probably penciling him in as that seventh guy once again because he was just—he was so damn reliable. It was—it was so easy. It must have been so nice to be a Flames coach and know that you had that option in your back pocket if you needed it. Um, but so glad that he's sticking around in the organization. Really glad. I think the city of Calgary is better to have Michael and his family in it, and you could hear him there talking about, yeah, my wife and family would go wherever I went for hockey, but this is our home, and we want to be in our home, and that's great to hear, and that's great to see, and I uh, wish Michael Stone all the best, uh, and again, great to see him continuing with the Calgary Flames uh, in a development role and uh, should have plenty of experience and life experience, hockey experience to pass on to any player that he uh, gets to interact with now as a member of the Flames uh, development staff uh, in Calgary. 
We'll hear from uh, a couple of the kids getting their first taste of development camp uh, as the show goes on. We will hear from Matt Coronado, who made his NHL debut last year. We'll hear from Etienne Moran, who's at his first development camp with the Calgary Flames after being drafted in the second round in Nashville. All of that as the show continues. But we're going to take a break, come back on the other side, continue our check-in around the NHL, uh, what's happening for different teams across the league as the offseason's well underway now. Uh, our check-in with the Philadelphia Flyers is next. John Hahn joins us from the Philadelphia Inquirer. The rebuild is on in Philly, uh, but what's the next domino to fall? How do they feel about Matt Vay-Mitchkoff falling to them in the draft? We'll get into all of that. Uh, chatting some Philadelphia Flyers hockey around the corner here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Rolling on hour one of the program. It is Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you. More Calgary Flames conversation coming up later on in the program. Hear from a couple of the top prospects at Flames Development Camp up at Winsport, including Tim Moran and Matt Coronado. Plus, we'll uh, check in with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Their great cup plans coming up for November. Perhaps a couple of Stampeders fans listening, contemplating whether they want to go check out uh, Great Cup in Hamilton. We'll have all the details for that coming up as the show progresses. But right now, very happy to uh, continue our NHL offseason conversations. We're going around the NHL, getting you the latest on some of the busiest teams since the NHL, NHL's offseason has began. And today, checking in on the Philadelphia Flyers, we go on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline and welcome in Gianna Hahn. She writes uh, about the Flyers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Gianna, thanks for doing this today. How are you? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm really good. Thank you for doing this. Uh, excited to, to chat with you. The Flyers, one of the more intriguing teams this NHL offseason. Danny Briere hasn't uh, waited long as his new uh, GM role to get busy with this team. For sure. He he started off early kicking off of that Provorov trade, and he was quite proud of himself, too, for that. Yeah, hey, look, I admire the guy for, for jumping in on it and, and trying to make changes. Are we talking about a full-scale rebuild here in, in Philly, Gianna? Is he going to take this thing down to the studs as much as he can? Um. So, yes, a full-scale rebuild, but he has a different definition of that. He said it's not a fire cell. He's repeated that a lot. Um. So, I guess you're what I'm taking that to mean is you're not going to see every single um, veteran there is shipped out. Like uh, so many names have been thrown around between Wyden, Connect Me, Sandheim, and you'll see some of those guys leave, but you won't see every single one of them. Um, and I think part of that is something that, like, my colleague um, from the Athletic, Charlie O'Connor, pointed out that was a really good point was that if you're going to build these young guys, you can't be losing all the time. You need to build some sort of confidence in them. You have to have someone there to teach them what it means to be a flyer, what it means to be a professional. So I think Danny understands that, having been in that position as a player. And so he's going to, like, he's definitely going to be adjusting things and getting moving parts and everything, but it won't be every single person. <laughs> like, a lot of people are led to believe right now. Yeah, I remember... It seemed not long after the Provorov trade there, it seemed like there was that weekend before the draft and it sounded like everybody was going out the door in Philly. I remember hearing about Tony D'Angelo. We were wondering about Carter Hart. Uh, I think Travis Konechny's name has been out there a lot. It does feel like 
Uh, it's been a busy time around the Flyers. I guess out of some of those names that I just mentioned, Gianna, is there anybody that, that stands out to you that, that is going to be used as a piece here to, to move on still from the Flyers that Danny hasn't moved out yet? Well, I'm going to preface this by saying that Danny has been very clear. He's taking calls on every single person. That is his due diligence as a GM. And people are starting to take the fact that he's taking a call on a guy as, oh, he's going to be moved. So I think some of those rumors got a little out of hand at a certain point. <laughs> but there's still, like, chance for, you know, Tony and D'Angelo. We all know that came to a stop because of that CBA role. But um, I definitely – I think that Lawton could be a guy. He could be a guy that's moved because he definitely had a career year, but he is the only guy that wears a letter for Tortorella, and that's not to be overlooked. Of course, they did bring in Mark Stahl, who is a former A under Tortorella, so now that conversation changes a bit, but he seems to really like him no matter what. I don't remember him ever saying anything bad about Scott. Um, And then TK is another guy that his timeline might not fit because, you know, no matter what, Scott's this versatile player that can play up and down the lineup. And I feel like he might be that for a while just by the way he is. Um, he's like the type of player that can keep up his style play for a longer time. Whereas TK is starting to hit this peak, and that peak might not coincide with the Flyers, so he might make more sense to move to me. However, Tortorella also really, really likes Messi, and as we've seen through all these trades and all these free agency, this is really being driven by who Tortorella likes and Kutura might not be sold on, to put it nicely. No. So I, I would say those two guys are definitely guys that you might see stick around. And I guess that's part of the unique situation going on in Philadelphia right now, knowing that John Tortorella is part of that decision-making group with Danny Briere and Keith Jones. Hey, that's a little bit different than what we've seen across the NHL. The head coach in Philly kind of has maybe more of a say than we see in other NHL teams. For sure, and they might say that he doesn't, but just based on, you know, comments on who what he said about different guys and um, looking at the free agents and their history with him or the type of player they are, it does seem like it's really being shaped by Tortorella. And Dan Hilferty did say he is their spiritual leader for this. <laughs> so that's always something you want to keep in mind. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm curious, John, how have uh, Flyers fans sort of responded to uh, this new direction that Danny Briere is taking them down. Do you mean like the players in general, or well, I guess just the the, the fan base? I guess, and, and I know it's it's okay. tough. They just had no, you know, Nolan Patrick was picked pretty high not all that long ago, and you know, it feels like not all that long. We were talking about Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier and all these exciting pieces on the Flyers, and it's been a big shift there. I'm curious how how Flyers fans have sort of gone through this whole process, in your view. Yeah, so I will say that my what I see is what's on Twitter or what's emailed to me for the most <laughs> part. So it's definitely a microcosm. But I have seen a pretty mixed reaction where, on one hand, people are like, how is this actually rebuilding or starting a new era? It's a bunch of former players and then a bunch more former players. But then, on the other hand, I think a lot of people like Danny. They're seeing what he's doing. He's taking big swings, which former regime didn't. So that's encouraging for some people. I think the Provorov trade really sold some people. The Matt B. Mishkov um, draft pick was also pretty well received. I know Twitter got very excited then. I did my email inbox. But I think there's a little bit of a wait and see overall. 
just because how realistic is this or how new is this new era of orange when the orange is a color from like the 80s one and <laughs> all the players are players from the 80s or I don't know my timeline I hope I didn't just call someone really old but um, yeah so I think it's definitely a mixed bag like some yeah. people are so sold and some people are like this is more of the same do you think getting a, a guy like Matt Mitchkoff in the draft would help sell some of those Flyers fans on a rebuild? He's a really exciting player, and to potentially see him in a couple of years, I think he's got to excite some members of that fan base, no? Definitely. It's very exciting. He was a big question mark, and for him to have fallen that far when he is a top three talent, maybe top four with Leo Carlson going second, that's exciting. The hard thing is going to be he won't be here at all through the hard years, the lean years, where you have to try to keep people coming. Um, I mean, he had a, he left right after the draft. He's not at development camp. So, yeah, it's exciting. But then it's like, okay, where is he? And just it might get better now that he's drafted. But leading up to the draft, people couldn't really get a hold of him. Um, no one could see him. The geopolitical situation has changed, so they still can't go over to see him. So it will be interesting how that interest like keeps up when you can't see the player in front of you, if that makes sense. For sure. Uh, a couple of players I wanted to ask you about, and I guess uh, it fills in with, with how you explained it a little bit earlier about you know this team not wanting to, to throw it all down to the studs. What uh, what did you make of, of Garnet Hathaway and Mark Stahl joining the, the organization? You mentioned Mark Stahl, somebody that uh, John Tortorella obviously knows well, and Garnet Hathaway, a guy that... We know from a bit of his time here in Calgary and now a guy that's going to be on the Flyers for the next two seasons. Yeah, so the Mark Stahl, I know that one surprised Danny himself. He was (laughs) like, we didn't expect him to be interested. So that is something that I would wonder, too. Like, you're at a point in your career where you would think you're chasing a cup and you go to a team that, no offense, Flyers probably aren't going to be competing for the cup anytime soon. Um, But he listed his family lives in Connecticut, he wants to be close to them. He likes Tortorella. He likes the people that he knows of and the Flyers and what he's heard from them. So I'm not one to question work-life balance. <laughs> so if that's what sells you, then that's great. And I think from Flyers' standpoint, it's a little interesting in that they want to give young guys a look, but now they've signed a veteran. However, everyone's been clear that he has no set role. If a young guy comes and takes a job, they take his job. The other thing is that Tortorella is very insistent that defensemen take longer to develop. They need more time to AHL. So I wouldn't be super surprised if these guys we got to look at at the end of the year, he decides they need to start in the AHL again before they're really ready to make that jump. But I think that defensive core does lack a very strong leader, a very strong veteran. So from a locker room standpoint, I say that only could be good. The Hathaway one made me a little bit surprised when you pencil out who goes where. There was a need for a fourth-line center, which I feel appealing. And then we were like, oh, it's pretty good. you got some young guys coming up. you got some guys who are still trying to prove themselves. And then they signed Hathaway, so we were a little <laughs> bit confused. But then I looked back, and he would probably be taking the place of Wade Allison or competing with Wade Allison. And Tortorella made a lot of comments last year about how Wade's always hurt. He's always hurt. He's always hurt. Can't complain about how, like, dedicated he is, but he's always hurt. And that was kind of 
raised some eyebrows. So maybe that's another move where Torrell is not sold on a guy, so he wanted a guy that he likes coming in. So that's where I kind of see that sitting. That's all pure speculation. <laughs> but it is very interesting to see people sign on with the Flyers, but also maybe, I don't know, maybe this is what they are talking about when they talked about Danny and Keith having really good relationships around the league. Like, maybe they're really good at selling the Flyers. Yeah. So I don't know fully what's going on. We've only talked to them on Zoom, but that's what I get out of those moves. Uh, John Hans along with us, Flyers beat reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, joining us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline as we uh, look around the NHL as the offseason's well underway. A couple more for you, Gianna. I, I guess one of the biggest names out of Philly that a lot of people are curious about is Carter Hart. And knowing they brought a goaltender in in that Provorov trade in Cal Peterson, he's got one year left before he's an RFA. Had a pretty good season, all things considered, overall last year. How do you see Carter Hart's future in the Flyers organization? Is this someone that Danny Briere is going to commit to long-term, or are we still waiting to see what happens with that? Carter is a very complicated situation. Uh, on one hand, going back to the Konechny thing, his timeline might not line with the Flyers again. But on the other hand, the Flyers have had a lot of trouble building goalie depth, and it looks like they finally have a goalie. So, why would you give him away if you don't get an absolutely great offer? But the thing that I think really puts an obstacle in any movement with Carter is the Hockey Canada investigation. He is a part of that team. He's not one of the people who's been cleared yet. He could be innocent. He could be guilty. No one knows. And I have a little bit of a hard time seeing him move before that investigation report comes out. It's just a little bit too dangerous to take a bet on a guy that you know might not be playing. So I think there's a lot that goes into that, whether it be the unknown off the ice or the unknowns <laughs> on the ice within the Flyers' development because they really like Samuel Ayrton, but he only played a few games here and there. So there are a lot of question marks in a franchise that has had a lot of trouble building up its goalie depth. Uh, we know that Ryan Ellis uh, is an LTIR candidate for the Flyers, but they've had a couple other key guys uh, dealing with injuries last year in Sean Gaturia and Cam Atkinson. Is there any clarity on, on the health of either of those guys throughout the summer and maybe what their status might be as we get closer to training camp? They said that they're on track. They also said Ryan Ellis is on track. <laughs> um, I don't think that we'll really know until yeah. they show up to camp and play some games. So, so I want to say for sure, I do know that when I talked to Couturier at the end of last season, he was saying that he felt good enough to go. And I think it was kind of a surprise when they decided not to have him play. Because, I mean, just a few days before that, he told me he was ready to go that day if they let him. Um, so his, <laughs> the Flyers' medical situation is just all a big mystery right now. Because Cam as well, he said he was feeling good at the end of last season. He talked about how rough it was. Um, he was very candid about it. Yeah. So, I hopefully they're on track, like everyone says. Mm -hmm. We won't really know until they play, make it through preseason. So. Uh, fair enough. Uh, last one for you before we let you go. Really appreciate the time today. Uh, what's left for Danny Briere on the to-do list this summer? There's obviously uh, a couple of interesting RFAs from the Flyers' point of view, but. When you look at, at the next month and a half or so as this offseason continues, is there anything you think he wants to get accomplished before the Flyers head to training camp? 
I think he's checked off a lot of things. We actually talked about this during free agency, the need to stay patient. He was saying he was looking at all the names coming through. And he was like, wait, I can sign who? <laughs> and you have to not jump on that now that you have the power. So that's definitely a key, like keeping in mind what the rebuild is. I think it's really about the prospects right now and focusing on player development. Uh, I can't say for sure because we haven't spoken about this, but I would think he wants to really – focus in on the scouting and development side because that's what's important in a rebuild right now. They sold all out for these high draft picks, so now you got to make sure that they become who you want them to be. From a trade standpoint, he probably could move some guys, but for right now it's pretty set. I don't think it's urgent. I think it has to be, like he said, something that's really, really worth it. Uh, and, of course, Sanheim's no-move clause just kicked in, so that one's going to uh, cool. Those talks are going to cool down unless Sanheim wants to move. But I joke that he should make the requirement of his move Travis Konechny because they're best friends and they're attached <laughs> to the hip. But <laughs> but yeah, I think like he addressed a lot in free agency. He's got his high draft picks now. They just got to develop them and prepare for next year and prepare for seeing what they've got out of these young guys. They're giving opportunities to. For sure, it's going to be a really interesting group. John, thanks so much for hopping on today. I really enjoyed this. I hope we can do it again sometime soon when we get closer to the season starting up again. No Have a good one. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Take care. John Hahn joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Guest hotline. Flyers beat writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, Flyers, like she said, a lot of business done already. Uh, Danny Breer has been one of the busier GMs and might not have a lot left to do. There's uh, Noah Cates uh, arbitration eligible, Morgan Frost, Cam York, two young guys who don't have arb rights. Flyers roster pretty set for the most part and look kind of at that spot. They've got two first-round picks heading into next year already. Uh, they got Matt Vay-Mitchkoff in this most recent, recent draft. An, an interesting group, but like you said, one that they're not going to necessarily tear it down to the studs. They want guys around who can help the young guys out and uh, you know Travis Konechny does he fit in that over the next two years he's 26 can you get some good value for him sure but if you're not going to get max value for him player that John Tortorella really likes can he help uh, a Joel Farabee continue to develop who's just 23 years old they're going to start to insert some of these younger guys into the lineup in Noah Cates, Morgan Frost, some of those guys that I mentioned, uh, Cam York on the back end. They're going to want to see more from these young guys, but they're clearly not just going to throw them to the wolves in a sense and say, hey, here you go. All the veterans are gone. It's time for you to go out there and, and do your thing. Bobby Brink is a a fairly high draft pick in their organization. Uh, Tyson Forrester is a guy who was a 23rd overall pick, I want to say. In 2020, they've had a couple of years uh, to draft, but not nearly as high as they have the last couple of years. Cutter Goche's there. Uh, we mentioned Matt Vaymichkov. So they've got a couple of interesting pieces. They've acquired some more at this draft, but it's going to be a long time before this team is competitive. Flyers, uh, an interesting group. Uh, if I think the trade deadline comes around, could you see them be one of those teams that's really into it? Yeah, I think... You talk about a guy like Tony D'Angelo who was supposedly going to be on the move. CBA rules, you know, nixed that one uh, going back to the Carolina Hurricanes. 
but with a guy with one year left on his contract, um, could he be an interesting piece for the Flyers to move on from? Uh, Scott Lawton's a guy that's come up a lot. He's got three years left, but he's only at, at $3 million. So uh, it's going to be a process to watch. I still think the Carter Hart one is is top of mind. What do you do if you're Danny Briere and the Philadelphia Flyers? He'll be 25 years old when he needs a new contract next season. He'll be an RFA with arbitration rights. Do you automatically sign Carter Hart up to be the goaltender for the next eight years? Or do you think, hey, we're not going to be competitive for three of those years. That doesn't make sense to us. Let's try to trade him, get as much value for him as we can. But how much value do you really get when you're going to be a bad team? And that's going to affect his numbers. I know a lot of people go down the goaltending route and, you know, say, well, he should have good numbers regardless. It's it's not easy. That's a I'm going to be honest. It's a terrible defensive group in front of them. It's really brutal. Sanheim, Aristolainen, D'Angelo, Sean Walker, Mark Stahl, Cam York. That's awful. That is going to affect Carter Hart's numbers going forward. And if another GM looks at him and says, well, he's a, he's a 3.0 goals against average guy and right around 900 save percentage, I'm not paying you you know, first round equity and top prospects for that kind of guy. Maybe it does make more sense for the Flyers just to hold on to him and let him eventually grow into that next goaltender. I know it's been risky in Philly. They've gone through so many goaltenders over the years there. You'd hate to give up on the guy that could be your next goaltender, but there's going to be a couple of really lean years for the Flyers. And uh, it's going to start this year with uh, a roster that's been pared down quite a bit and could continue uh, if the right offer comes across Danny Breer's table. Uh, once again, thanks to John Hahn for jumping on with us. I really appreciate uh, that. We'll continue over the next couple of weeks here on Sportsnet Today, diving into uh, teams across the NHL that have been busy. We've stopped in in Toronto, uh, Ottawa, Philly already. Um, I wonder where else we'll go for this. There's been some interesting teams. Uh, we just talked to Montreal before the draft, so maybe we'll wait a bit on them. Uh, we could check in on Vancouver maybe coming up the next couple days. Where should we go, Tim? I'm curious as to where, like, what kind of teams we're going to go to for this now. You know what? I feel like who's making some really wild moves? I know I was talking about this with my friends, and just Detroit has been making a lot of True. moves lately. Detroit was one of the busier free agent teams for sure. They've been doing some things. Pittsburgh maybe. What you are know they who I want to see? I want to talk about Washington. Mm. I think they're making some moves. It might hurt Flames fans. Though. I know, but it's it's relevant, and I think I I like the moves they're making. I got to be honest; they they look a lot better than they do already last year. Maybe we'll check in on the Caps. We'll see. We might have to let that one sit for a bit. Two former Flames in that Stay, organization now. That one over. Were the Yotes? The Yotes made a True. crazy amount of moves. Our pal Mike would like that. Mike Gould would be a big fan of that. We could check in on the Yotes and see what they're doing. The Yotes. The Yotes. Have you found a new home to play in? No. <laughs> no. We're, we're still, still making moves. We're still at ASU. <laughs> We've drafted Maybe next all year. the large players from the draft. and it Wasn't everyone in that draft class like above six foot or something? Yeah, it was a large draft class. <laughs> if it works, it works. Hey, good for you guys. Uh, but that's what we'll be doing the next couple of weeks here on Sportsnet today. Uh, if there's a team that you want to hear about, 
uh, and you're listening, uh, 960-960 will pop in uh, to a couple different places around the league as we get uh, into the next couple weeks here on Sportsnet today. But we'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Uh, Keep it locked, of course, with uh, Calgary Flames content coming your way, uh, including a couple of their top prospects after development camp. Uh, A first day of development camp at Winsport was underway. Uh, We'll hear from Matt Coronado, Etienne Moran, and a couple others as Sportsnet Today rolls on and into Hour 2 next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.